Hello all, welcome to the Thoughts and Rambles podcast. It's Michelle, your host. This week's Thought and Ramble is about the murder of Sister Catherine Ann Sesnick. Whew. Okay, so initially I came across this true uh, crime story on Netflix. Netflix had um, streamed a seven-part docuseries called The Keepers. Um, and it was the unsolved murder of Sister Kathy Sesnick, and she was a 26-year-old Baltimore nun who disappeared in 1969. <clears throat> Let me tell y'all, I binge watched this series like I could not get enough of it, and each um, episode is like 40 to 50 minutes. So, and I just couldn't stop watching it, it just all day. Um, each episode was more appealing and more interesting than the previous. It was riveting, at least in my opinion. I think it was because um, it was enticing because it happened here in Maryland. And so they were naming places that I'm like, oh, my God, I know where that is, right? You know, so when I watched the docuseries, you know, and they were speaking of places that I knew, I was like, oh, my God. Like, when they mentioned Fort Meade, I was like, I go to Fort Meade, I bowl. You know, my daughter bowls. We're always at the Fort Meade um, base. Like, that was crazy, right? But anyway, um, so y'all ready to get into this wild and crazy story? Let's do it. All right. So, Catherine Ann Sesnick, she was born November 17th, 1942. She disappeared November 7th, 1969. 10 days before her 27th birthday. Oh, she just escaped Club 27. Y'all know what that is, right? If you don't, look it up. But anyway, she lived in the suburb. uh, She grew up in the suburb of Pittsburgh in a neighborhood called Lawrenceville. She was a valedictorian of her Catholic high school in 1960. She had been the president of her senior class and student council. Basically, you know, girl was an all-around good person and good student. Meaning, she had a lot to live for. She had a lot to do. But, and these things that she wanted to do were in the service of God. She knew her duty in her life was service to God. That's what she was all about. So she decided to become a nun. She felt it was her calling. But she also knew that her calling was education. So she became a school teacher and a nun, and she taught uh, 11th to 12th grade English, and she taught drama at Archbishop Keogh High School in Baltimore. And she was one of the school's most popular faculty members, just like when she was attending school. So now that we got a little background about Catherine and Sesnick, Sister Catherine, Here's the timeline. So, fast forward to Friday, November 7th, 1969. Or should I say, way back in 1969. We're going in our way back machine, our time machine. We're going back to Friday, November 7th, 1969. And on this day, she got paid. Just got paid. Friday night. Party's humping. Blazing right. Okay. I'm not a singer, but anyway, homegirl, so she cashed her paycheck, you know, back then, you know, you wouldn't cash your paycheck, 
$255, y'all. $255. And she cast it at the First National Bank in Catonsville, Maryland. I'm still tripping. Like, her paycheck was $255. Oh, my God. Like, what bill do I have that's, like, $255? $255? Where are you going with $255? Man, okay, anyway. So, she had set out to go shopping at the Edmonton um, Village Shopping Center uh, earlier in the evening. She had cashed her check, and then she was going shopping. Uh, This was according to her roommate, which was Sister Helen Russell Phillips. Um, and it was around 7.30 that she had left out. The, the, the two nuns, uh, Sister Catherine and Sister Helen, they lived at the Carriage House Apartments. Um, but before she went shopping, um, Sister Catherine, she made a purchase at the bakery at the shopping center. Uh, Sister Helen also stated that Sister Catherine had planned to go to Hex. She was going to Hex Department Store to buy an engagement gift for her blood sister. Not her sister in the nunnery, but her blood sister. Her blood, her sister was getting married. So, so far we know it was a Friday. She went and cast her check for what? $255 at the bank. She picked up some um, buns at the bakery. And um, she went to Hex to go buy an engagement ring, engagement ring, mm, an engagement gift for her sister. Okay. But on Saturday, November 8th, Sister Catherine, she didn't return home from her shopping trip, right? And that morning, Sister Helen, she called two friends, a Reverend Peter McCow and a Reverend Gerard Cobe. And what they did was they drove from Beltsville, Maryland to Baltimore, Maryland, and once they arrived, Sister Helen told them what was going on with Sister and Catherine, and she didn't come home. So then they decided to call the police and report her missing. So this is like in the early morning, right, that Sister Helen realized, yo, where you at, Sister Catherine? You ain't come home yet. So around 4.40 a.m., Reverend McCow, he found Sister Catherine's car. And it was unlocked. It was a green 1970 Maverick. And it was in the apartment complex. Um, And it was in the 4500 block of Carriage Court. Now, check this out. There were other reports that all three of them had found the car. And not just Reverend McCall. But, you know, we don't really know. But, okay. But her car, it was in muddy condition. And it was found by them. The priest, and may or may not, Sister Helen, who knows, but guess what, y'all? Oh, my God. It was illegally parked across from the apartment complex at 440 in the morning. Like, it was in the drive. Like, you know how when you come into apartment complexes and they have the drive to come into the complex? It was just parked right there. Like, not in a parking space, just coming up into the court. And residents at the apartment complex, they spotted, says next, you know, Catherine's car, right? Um, And that was approximately 8.30 the previous night. So we know somewhere between 7.30 and 8.30, something happened, right? Because others spotted her car and it was illegally parked and it was across the street. Okay, so that's weird, right? 
anyway, the car was towed by uh, the city's southwestern um, district station. Once she was reported missing and they found the car, the car was processed in a crime lab. And the police found a box of buns in the front seat of her car. So we know she at least, like I said, she purchased, made a purchase at the bakery because the buns were in the front seat of the car. <sighs> they were purchased at uh, M-U-H-L-Y Molly's Bakery. And that was the same bakery that was in the Edmondson Village Shopping Center, right? So we know she made it to the shopping center. And that shopping center also housed the Hex Department store. Didn't the story, I can't remember from Netflix if it was known whether or not, but I believe it is that she did purchase a necklace for her sister. So, so we know that she made it to the shopping center, but we don't know why she didn't make it back home. Now, the condition of the car, we know that it was muddy, right? And it was parked all crazy and illegal. But when they processed the car, inside the car, they found leaves and twigs. But where were they from? Like, what's going on here? Like, how did her car, her 1970, her green 1970 Maverick, get these leaves and twigs in it? Branches, had they were all caught in the car's radio antenna. Remember when cars had radio antennas they don't have those anymore but yeah so um it looked like the car had been driven through a wooden area and there was also a twig hooked with the yellow thread that was found on the signal turner lever thingy okay so police theorized that sister segment or sister Catherine may have left the car and gone into a wooded area but why okay but why why would she do that and then the car was found a mile from the i guess somebody saw it from the wooded lincoln park so the police they you know with the with the canines with the dogs and civilians they searched that park and nothing nothing came up so What's going on? Anyway, they they searched a lot of different areas following her disappearance, but they didn't find her, right? But, dun, dun, dun. On January 3rd, 1970, her body was found by a hunter and his son in an informal landfill located on the 2100 block of Monumental Road in a remote area of Lansdowne. Aww. Okay, but an autopsy was performed by the deputy medical examiner, and he revealed, his name is Weiner Spitz, he revealed that Sister Catherine Sesnick died from an intracerebral hemorrhage following a fracture to her skull from a blow to her left temple by a blunt instrument. Otherwise, y'all, she was hit over the head. Okay, somebody hit her in the head. She got hit in the head. Somebody hit her in the head. That's some shit. Now, yes, the case remains unsolved to this day. This is 2020. She was found almost 50 years ago. Yeah, 50 years ago. 
if 2020 to 1970, 50 years ago, back on January 3rd, went missing 51 years ago, November 7th, 1969. But that's not the end of the story, y'all. Additional background. Because you know there's more. There's got to be more. There is more. Oh, that Catholic Church. And if you didn't see that coming, boom. If you did see that coming, boom. Wow, right? So, during Sister Catherine's tenure at Archbishop Kehoe High School, it is alleged that two of the priests, Fathers Joseph Maskell and E. Neil Magnus, were sexually abusing the girls at the school, in addition, y'all, to trafficking them to others. Yeah, y'all heard me. So this nasty shit has been going down for a while at these Catholic churches and schools, y'all, for a while. Gross ass people. So, in 1995, Teresa Lancaster and Jean Weiner, they, they were former students at Kehoe, and they claimed to have been sexually abused by Fathers Maskell, and they filed a lawsuit against him, the school, and the gynecologist, Christian Richard. Uh, the school, Sisters of Notre Dame, the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and Archbishop William that's a lot of people y'all that's a lot of people and I know you're trying to question yourself what is a gynecologist doing in this yeah mm-hmm. so but guess what this is so disheartening the trial court dismissed the action as time barred because the statutes of limitations like what they're not getting no justice for all that they went through they're not getting no justice but they appealed the plaintiff appealed but it's unfortunate because the Maryland Court of Appeals upheld the decision of the lower court. Why? Because of the statutes of limitation. They should have came in sooner. But we all know it takes victims some time to deal with their situations. Like, we don't need that. We don't need that. Crazy, right? I know, right? But one of the girls, the Jean Wiener person, she said that Sister Catherine had once came to her and said, are the priests hurting you? Yeah, so she knew what was going on. And both women have said that she was the only member of the school staff who helped them or tried to help them. And the other girls that were being be abused by Father Masco and others and his little nasty ass group. Right? And have said that she was murdered prior to discussing the matter with the Archdiocese of Baltimore. So they think. So here it is. She gone missing on that night. She don't show up. Her friends like, what's up? They call the police. Her car is all suspicious, twigs, mud, string, all this other junk going on. She finally come up, uh, her body finally comes up, uh, what, two months later, almost two months later. Come find out there's some nasty-ass priests trafficking women uh, and doing, you know, having sex with the girls and all this kind of stuff, right? And lo and behold, she was going to snitch. She was going to tell. And she came up missing. Came up dead. <sighs> mm-hmm. 
Let me just tell y'all, there isn't any physical evidence linking Maskell to the murder. Damn, right? But it was revealed in late 2016 that since 2001, the Archdiocese has paid off numerous settlements to Maskell's alleged victims, y'all. Well, you know what? This is what I got to say about that. If there was nothing going on, why is the church paying these people off? What's that about? Why are you paying them off? Why? Because it's one too many? Right. So Wiener alleges that two months before Sister Catherine's body was discovered, and only a day or two after she disappeared in November of 1969, the Father Maskell actually drove her to a wooded site near Fort Meade and showed her the body. Right? What? Are you serious? And she also claims to remember trying to repeatedly brush off the maggots crawling on Sister Catherine Fesnick's face while frantically repeating the words, help me, help me. But her account was brought into question by by scientific evidence showing that it would have been impossible for maggots to be alive at that relevant time of the year. So they try to make old girl out like she crazy. But the deputy medical examiner, Spitz, who worked on the case, yeah, y'all, he later confirmed that there had been maggots in both the victim's mouth and trachea when found. Hmm. Look, may not have been no physical evidence linking this dude, but it's all adding up to me. And the weather records, they had went back in the weather records that also revealed that temperatures during that week in question, hey, y'all, they was warm enough for maggots to hatch. And it is alleged, okay, alleged that Father Maskell reportedly told Wiener, you see what happens when you say bad things about people? Hmm. How traumatizing is that, y'all? How freaking traumatizing is that? But let me just say this. I think that fool did it. Yeah, despite the lack of evidence, I think he did it. So, in 2016, the Baltimore County Police Department, they reassigned the case due to retiring police officers, prompting new interviews and further investigation into the alleged sexual abuse of Akio. And, yeah, after attaining permission from the state's attorney's office, the Baltimore County Police exhumed the body of Father Maskell, who died of a major, y'all, stroke in 2001. But they didn't find a DNA match to evidence from the crime scene. Um, But they announced that this, that discovery does not exclude Father Maskell from being a suspect in the case. It don't matter. Like I said, lack of evidence or whatever going on, he did it. So, what do you all think? I didn't go into a deep dive about the priest because, you know what, fuck him. But I know from the Netflix series, this dude was up to some nasty and crazy as shit. He hired an OBGYN, a gynecologist, y'all, to examine the girls. That's why that gynecologist was in the the trial, was in the case, right? And then he had other priests in on his little sex ring. He was slipping the Mickeys in their sodas. All kinds of nonsense. Whew. I know, right? That was that's that's just weird. That's crazy. But look, 
If you're interested in this case, go check out The Keepers on Netflix. This series features interviews from the women who were Sister and Catherine students and some who, you know, they all state that they were sexually abused by Father Maskell and his nasty-ass associates, right? So y'all go check that out. Anyway, all right, y'all. This is my thought and ramble for the week, the murder of Sister Sister Catherine and Sesnick. If you all enjoyed this, let me know. The you can send me a message, it's in the show notes via the show notes. You'll see a link. And if you're interested, please check out my other podcast, Living Life, where I'm doing 25 days of podcastmas. All right, check out the information in the show notes. See you next week. Peace.